Welcome to the podcast, Three Things That Matter. My name is Anne Blake, and in each episode, I interview a different guest. They are asked to bring three things that matter to them. These might vary from books and plants to places and occasions. These three things provide the jumping off point for discussion of the extraordinary in the everyday. Three Things That Matter is a Limerick Post podcast and is released every second Wednesday. In episode one of the second series, I speak to Mourin Nikaulev, a multi-award winning traditional singer and musician from Kirkuguina, West Kerry. Mourin is a leading exponent of the Shanno style. Her repertoire also includes songs from a wide variety of folk and contemporary sources. She has enjoyed a successful career as a touring artist, both as lead singer and flute player with the Irish traditional supergroup Danu, as well as a solo artist. Warren is a popular television and radio presenter, having hosted a range of programmes for Irish and Scottish TV. She currently presents two music programmes, Mollert Ports Le Mwyrn and Ombrain Gwaelach on RTE Radio na Gwaeltachta. She has collaborated with many musicians in genres ranging from traditional to classical, world music to electronica. Mwyrn, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Anne. Lovely, lovely to be chatting to you in in any shape or form. (laughs) And uh, so I suppose we might just get started. And if you want to tell me about your first thing. My first thing is a song. And Mm. it's a song called Bruch Macarige Boyne, which is a Shano song from this area of West Kerry. And I suppose I chose it because to me it represents so many things that I absolutely love and I'm very passionate about. It's It's got a, a beautiful, sweeping, over-the-top emotional melody. It's got beauty of language, um, the Irish language, of course, and um, it reminds me of this place. And it's it's just the music that I'm really immersed in at the moment. Um, more and more, the older I get, I come back more to what I grew up hearing and appreciating appreciating this music as high art and you learn so much from it um, as a singer and about where you come from and the people that were here before us and you know even you learn as an Irish speaker I'm always learning from the songs as well new turns of phrases new ways of describing things it, it just it hits me in all the ways. So it's it's just one song, but it's a sample, I suppose, or an example of that type of music. And it, it just means the world to me. And it, it's called Bruch na Cardiga So at its heart, it's like one of those big, unattainable love songs where um, they can't be together and she's of like noble birth and... Um, the singer is saying that they can't give her the the life that she deserves or is accustomed to. Um, but there are all those kind of the, the symbolism, the comparisons to nature, the mentions of music and Greek mythology and how, you know, these would be ways as well for the poets to show 
how well versed they were and how skilled they were in the weaving of language before ever a melody is attached to the song even the lyrics themselves have such a an innate musicality to them now when you're singing them you're you're singing in in several different ways if that makes any sense whereas when i feel like when i'm singing in english it's it's different it's like the voice doesn't quite get out in the same way because the the irish language is so vowel centric and so musical mm. a language that when you're singing this type of song, it's like everything just opens up, you know. So, and <laughs> it's it, like it literally means the edge of the white rock. So that's where the singer spies um, this yeah. woman, and um, you know, uh, I suppose it, in terms of story, there's not a whole lot that happens. Only unrequited love, but it's. It's the beauty of the moment. It's the emotion in the whole thing. And when I sing these songs, it's like I get completely lost. I I feel like I'm just like a vessel for these songs and the people that sang them before me and the people that lived these experiences and the people that are listening to me sing these songs. It's like a transmission, you know, you're like a conduit or something. And it's it just it's a whole body whole mind experience like kind of you go into a meditative state and when you're looking at singers even long ago if you're looking at archival footage of singers they they really go into a very very deep space when they're singing those songs you know the eyes are closed and it's all quite internal it's not performative like jazz hands like other genres as such but there is a hell of a lot going on as well it's just I suppose it can seem not as much of a performance in the sense that it's it's more about the song than the singer, which I really love. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes you away from yourself. And I'm a lot, really so it's good to get away from myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really interesting, though, that idea that the song... Um it's a it's a bit more of an internal experience for uh, for the singer um, rather than a performative one. Yeah. I mean, I have no doubt that over the years because I've been on stage so much that I am in some shape or form performing, but it's not, I suppose, a conscious performance. I always get lost in the song and I always get lost in the melody and the lyrics and there's always something new to discover. There's some new nuance or intricacy or turn of phrase. Actually, I had a performer friend ring me the other day and she was on tour and she's... um an experimental um, artist who's used to kind of improvising on stage. And this was one of her first experiences of saying the same thing night after, or performing the same thing, I should say, night after night. So she rang me to ask me, how do you not get bored? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, um... And I suppose it's just different. It's not the same adrenaline rush as obviously when you're experimenting and you're figuring things out on the spot, but you just go to a deeper place and you have to let it take over. And and it's like, let it be about that song being told to the people who are listening and giving them that experience or that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of exposing, let it take you somewhere a little yeah. bit different each time. And it does. It really does. It's rare that I've had a sense of, God, I just can't sing that song again. You know, <laughs> really rare. It's it, Once or twice ever it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, Irish 
Irish would be your first language. Yeah, it? it was my first language. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and like, I mean, this song, how, how long has it been in your life? The, the Like, when would you have come across it first? It's one of those osmosis ones. So right. they're my favorite ones to sing as well, because I don't have to think about remembering lyrics or how does this bit go or where do I need to take a breath or oh high note coming up here you know it just sings itself so Mm. again in that sense it's one of those songs where I can I suppose leave that conscious space and just kind of be absorbed by it so Mm. it's uh, it's such a calming experience and now that I've kind of got to grips after a long long time um gotten over my nerves, my stage fright, which used to cripple me. And I think it just did such a disservice to the music for so long that it's lovely now. Now that things are opening back up, like I was singing up in Carrick and Shannon a few weeks ago and I was up on stage singing some song or whatever. And I just thought, God almighty, like I just feel like I'm completely bathed in the music, you know, and it just Mm. when you're not worried anymore, about being perfect or what everyone else is thinking and you're focusing on how beautiful this song is and now these people get to hear it as well and it's you know it was just a fantastic moment yeah so emotional that's, that's, that's <laughs> very special I'm, and, and this is a just because you mentioned it there because I suppose it's a it's a bit of a an issue for different people but mm. Were there any steps you took to overcome stage fright you oh said my it was God. crippling everything <laughs> therapy tablets uh, you name it like and I had all these rituals that I thought were going to help me like so like I'd have this hour of a ritual that was you know and then if I couldn't get my hour ritual in then the gig was going to be a disaster and I had these little steamers that I'd be puffing off and I had a 45 minute warm up and there were deep breathing exercises and there were physical exercises and mantras you name it and Mm. none of that is going to work until you kind of sort your head out about what the whole purpose of it is and the purpose Mm. of it that's what I had to change and that's kind of where I had to change my mindset and um, so it wasn't so much vocal coaching that I needed or even though all that was brilliant I'm glad I did all that it was actually um, I think was I doing CBT or something like that so like cognitive behavioral therapy and somebody was saying to me Um, stage fright is a very selfish emotion because you are consumed by what other people must think of you. And then I was like, oh, that's terrible. Like, I don't want to be that person. You know, I don't want to be up there going, everybody, what do you think of me? So like, we should take yourself out of it. And it's about the music and the audience. And you just happen to be there. That really helped. Wow. You stop you thinking know, that, about yourself. It's funny because it, it, it works on a lot of different levels because I've heard people talk about creativity in general. And creativity, like in the grand scheme of things and, you know, obviously performance links in with that. But they talk about trying to get out of your own way. Yeah. Oh, totally. I'm always in my own way. That's <laughs> such a dose. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it took like a long time to get out of my own way. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. once you get nervous as well, you know yourself, all these physical things start happening then. And then there's a spiral and you can't, you know, you can't get out of that. No. So. 
yeah, often um, say heard said like it's like your body's betraying you. It's totally. like it's telling on you, going, oh. "I'm not comfortable." That's I'm why this not happy here. Our mic- I, I used to be so nervous that I used to have to hang off the microphone because my knees would lock and they would shake. Okay. I'd be physically sick beforehand, like I'd be nauseous, and I'd be staring at the exit sign at the back of the venue, whatever venue. Oh, there's always an exit sign. You stare oh, at yeah. that; it'd be lit up and be all you could see in the dark, and it was everything I could do to not run for the exit <laughs> sign. <laughs> like, don't run, don't run. <laughs> you know, you don't enjoy any of it then. You don't have any sort of a good experience. It's just about getting through it. And oh my God, I can't wait till it's over. Phew, it's over. Got away with that one. Oh no, I have to do it all again tomorrow. <laughs> Hellish. <laughs> it, it, it's funny. Um, yeah, like I, I do, I do performance myself. Obviously, um, obviously in in theatre and that. And I, you know, I there are times. You know, I go through waves of of not of, of that not quite stage fright, but kind of why am I doing this? And then oh, yeah. you know, you you, you realise you're up there. And you're like, oh my god, I'm so lucky to to oh, do this. You know, yeah. but there's this like. No matter what I do, if it's a play, there's always this like three or four minutes bef- just before I go on stage that I feel if, if I was to be condemned to hell, I would be forever <laughs> in those three or four minutes. <laughs> and it's like, why? And you Right now, you could be sitting at home on the couch and <laughs> you could be crying. Why did I do this? <laughs> why did I put myself? This is completely my own choice. I am here voluntarily. Imagine. And I want to run out of the building. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. It, it, it's... Like it's this little thing, and and I know it's coming, and 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 so I go, okay, this is coming. Recognize it for what it is, and it's gonna be over in a second. You're gonna be out there, and it's gonna be fine. But yeah, I I do feel if you know if I was to be put in some hellish little loop for the rest of my life <laughs> or eternity, um, you know, it would be those three or four minutes. Just do you ever have those not- uh, those stress dreams, like when you're stressed, of literally that you're backstage, either. You don't know the material or you, or you can't find the lyrics or something like that. Or you can't find your way to the stage or your, your clothes aren't right or there are no clothes at all. Or oh, well, of course. Have to go to the loo, can't find the loo. Like th- that is the quintessential musician stress dream, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it does. It's it, music. It's it's any form of performance. It's you're, the lights are on, you're being shoved out. And you're like, but I don't but know. But I what don't I'm, know that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm meant to be doing. <laughs> yeah, we all have yes. it. <laughs> we all, I'm sure everyone in their own profession has like a stress dream to do with it. You know, yeah. just being put on the spot and expected to be completely prepared and deliver something that you, you, you don't even know what it's called. No one's told you and you're like, but, but, but. <laughs> the funny thing is, Anne, I bet for both of us, because I certainly know from my experience and I bet from yours as well, that has actually happened in real life. Loads of times, <laughs> and it was grand. It was grand. It was grand. Of course, it was. Winged it, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> it was grand because of the of the time and spent before, you know, and, and the the prep, and like the years of of worrying and getting over it, so that then when something does go wrong, it's like, nah, sure, look, it's grand. It's great so, as well. Like not to tempt fate, but it's great as well. To have had that experience when it's hit the fan and things have gotten bad and you haven't had a great performance and you've messed up or whatever and like it wasn't the end of the world. It's only bloody music and 
people don't care that much. They're grand. They still had a good night. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, it's like they always say you learn so much more from failure than you do from success or or from messing up, you know. And and it's kind of getting over the bogeyman in your head as well. Like that. It doesn't. It's okay. It's okay. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. In fact, they had a little (laughs) laugh at it. I think they enjoyed it. Might try and mess up again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well it's all about you isn't it I mean it's like um, I, I, there's um, a wonderful comedian called Deborah Francis White who does a whole uh, piece on public speaking and she says you know um, when a when a and it's an open mic and it's a new comedian everything about them is they step out to the microphone and they're saying help me Oh God, critters! I know. Oh God, I don't know how people do that. I mean, Jesus. And she, she's saying what you, what an audience wants is for uh, somebody to step out to the mic and say, "I got this." Oh you know, yeah, that's what they want, and so that's what you're working towards. And you but fake you it. Look, you fake it. Everyone's faking yeah, it most of the time, I anyway. I got that <laughs> with life in general. Yeah, exactly. I got this. Don't worry about it. Whereas if you're in an audience and you suddenly realize you, you feel like you have to mind someone, it's like, oh, no, I can't relax. I'm worried about them. You know? So worried. <laughs> you know that? Oh, my God. Sitting through a gig, any sort of gig like that, and you're feeling every moment for the person on stage. And this is the point that you said, if, if stage fright is around, yeah. you, you know, you being minded, it's actually not being fair to an audience because you, no. you need to. You need to mind them. They, you're, they're yeah. out for their night out and you are here yeah. um, to, 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 to hold them and, and let them relax and let go or not think about And it's so much life. more, exactly. It's so much more about giving people that lovely experience. It's, it's the overall vibe rather than that one note you fluffed or, you know, whatever else you've been stressing yeah. over, you know. Just, Absolutely. yeah, it's vibe. Energy, it man. <laughs> Energy vibes. <laughs> and, and speaking of, um, yeah. have what is what is your second your second thing? My second thing is my togs, <laughs> my swimming costume, <laughs> my bathing costume. My grandmother used to call it. Yeah. So mm. lives in the car with me, and um, just wherever I can go, I will go. As I know you do as well, and always have. Grew up on islands and on the coast and oh my god I just love it so much it's like you know those sensory deprivation chambers that celebrities use mm. you like floating and they switch off the lights and it's dark and it's supposed to like give you a reset because you're not being stimulated by anything it's kind of, when you're swimming here in the winter it's so bloody cold it is kind of like that you just like you can feel nothing <laughs> 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 in a good way and then you come out like it's always in the winter it's hard to get in like it's it's just a dose like it's bloody freezing um, I haven't figured out now I drive down I have the dry robe hot water bottles just jump in get it over with back into the car don't get dressed do not get dressed on the beach in the wind that's the freezingest bit that's not worth it back to the house into the shower and like you never regret it you just never regret it so it's the only thing I do Anne I mean I don't do yoga or running or any of those things that I should do but it's my one little thing that I do and I love it and I love that everyone else is doing it now so I have people to go with yeah it's become it's an amazing thing that's happened with the pandemic is everyone's discovered the this while swimming well we had like 2k and 5k and nothing zero else to do so yeah yeah 
But you know what was weird in the beginning when they, the 2K lockdown here in West Kerry, they put boulders up the, at the entrances to the beaches. And it was so dystopian. So like, couldn't get down to the beach. Um, so I was trying to park the car and then the guards turned up and like, they didn't want that job. But anyway, they had to do it. And uh, they were like, you can't park here. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? And they were like, where's your house? Are you 2K? And I could show them my house. But I had the kids with me. So they couldn't walk the 2K. Um, Anyway, we figured it out. But it was just such a surreal moment. And I tried all the beaches. And each one, there were these big, huge boulders blocking the entrances. So creepy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we won't go back to those days. Let's not talk about the terrible, the great big terrible. But but what you are talking about is is your togs, is access to the sea which which you you do have you live in a, a ridiculously beautiful mm. part of Ireland yeah um and uh I, I won't give away your exact address but thank you for that um <laughs> you're down oh, in well, West Kerry it's been on the telly so many times I think everybody knows it even the inside oh that's her kitchen there yeah um we have like 12 beaches around us here like it's stunning yeah we're yeah that was actually my next question. Was yeah. How many beaches? Twelve. Are... Well, that I and, swim and in. You're... That I wow. swim in. But like there's more. But it's a peninsula. So okay. it's like living on an island. So there's loads of different options. But it depends on your mood, whether you want waves, whether you got the kids with you. If there's jellyfish in one place, there mightn't be in another. Mm. Um, where is overrun by tourists? Oh, my God, this year was insane. But mm. everyone had to have their staycation. And I don't begrudge them it at all. But they've gone home now again. It's great. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, like I and I'm curious, like, did you have you always like done gone swimming all year round or? No. No. Okay. Uh I only started doing that. We used to always do Christmas swims, all right. Um mm. just started doing it a couple of years ago. Like before COVID, maybe the year year or two before COVID. And then during COVID I did it like all the time because I went insane. So it was just like one thing in the day that I was definitely going to do that would make me, you know, get dressed or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's been gorgeous. I've gotten to know loads of people I didn't know around here. And I thought I knew everyone, but I clearly don't. I only know like other musicians and people I went to school with. (laughs) 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 I've discovered this whole other community and it's really lovely. And um, yeah, there's just, there's, um, there's a wealth of, of amazing people and landscape and culture and interesting things to do around here that I guess I wasn't fully tuned into. You know, I was very much focused on my thing and what my thing is, but there's so many other things going on. I just wasn't paying any attention. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's been fascinating. Like when you get locked down, you learn a lot about what's right in your doorstep. Hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, I mean, in fairness, you have a hell of a doorstep. It's a good doorstep. It's a good one. <laughs> As doorsteps go, it's a dinger. It's a good. One. It's a good one. I mean, I. I actually was quite happy to find. I. I do like my doorstep too, and and I found swim spots in in the. I heard. I heard. Yeah. It sounded amazing. Yeah. I'd be scared yeah. to swim in the Shannon. Really? I'd be scared I'd be swept away. Oh, you have to respect the hell out of it. You, you have to go at the right time. Yeah. And But that's, I mean, the, it's a nice thing about swimmers is they 
um, I think about this type of swimming that that you do and 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 I do, which is is it's not just in case anyone's listening um, who might have misinterpreted. I suppose we're not talking about triathlon. Oh God, know. no! <laughs> it's a little splishy splash around. <laughs> It's. I mean, the posh term I would call it is ablution, um, and the regular term ablution. I I would go with you know a dip. It's a dip, and um, and you might stay in for a while and have an old a lovely swim around. But um, there, it's something I I've been doing for a number of years. And when when you go around to different parts of Ireland, and you go to a swim spot, um, there is always a little community of people there. They tend to be a little bit older. Yeah. And they just know the safe times to go in. Like some places don't matter. I mean, you can go in kind of tied in, tied out, whatever. And then there's other places like rivers that you have to be careful, especially the the Shannon. And, yeah, uh, God, like serious. Well, an hour before high tide, that's pretty much it. Uh, okay. Otherwise, you you can't. You just, oh, right. You, you, you just can't. It's not safe. It's wow. very, very dangerous. So not many people do it. And um, because there wouldn't be a lot of knowledge around it and uh, and no one would go on their own, which is a really good idea. <laughs> and um, and I would have that agreement with with anyone I go with that. No, no one would go on their own. Yeah. But you, you just stick to the tide. You you follow the app. You What time is the tide at? You go an hour before that and... Uh, and that, and then you have a pleasant time, and it's not. It's amazing because, like with us, we can go here in the sea. We can go any time, and loads of us go on our own regularly. Um, if you go to a strand, you're grand, you know. Yes, yes. Grand. But like, there are plenty of coves and things that are very, very risky. All right, and I wouldn't chance that on my own. But I've noticed as well, um, swimming in rivers and lakes and things like that, you kind of, it's a bit sinky, isn't it? Like there's no salt. Yeah, you're, you're not to, as buoyant. You have to work so hard. It's like, <laughs> this is hard work, man. <laughs> Bringing my own salt next time. <laughs> I remember swimming in the Dead Sea. I was doing a gig out in Jordan. This is years ago. God, this is pre 9-11, like, can you imagine? Wow. And we went for a swim in the Dead Sea. And we're so excited. And like I ran in the way you would here, like into the sea. And mm. I dove in and like I came up and my eyeballs were bleeding. Like you, it is 90% salt, right? So you basically like just put my head into a vat of salt with my eyes open. That's basically what happened. So it kind of ruined the experience. But apart from that, it was amazing. It was oh, it was amazing. Like, is, like see, reading a book and having a drink. Just is not, that it? Where you can kind of nearly sit on top of the water, yeah. like it's yeah. wow, yeah, that's, amazing, that's fun. It was <laughs> so fun. <laughs> apart from the bleeding just, eyes, just wear wear goggles. Or yeah. don't open your eyes. <laughs> it, but it's it's funny because um, I'm quite. I have this little proud. I don't have many re- like. I suppose not personal records or things I've kept, you know, consistent in my life. Um, you know, but one thing since June two thousand and nine, uh, I've never missed a month of getting into some form of wild water. Now right. that might only be one day in that month, but it, a calendar month has not gone by that I have not got into either the sea or the river, Brilliant. and that's a little thing that I protect so that if I'm kind of toddling along and it's dark and it's cold and I'm like oh I don't know if I want to get in then I had this well you have to at least once this month or else you've 
you've dropped your record. <laughs> I like so, that. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice little kind of um, guilt. Your aunt's aunt, guilt, Lovely. a bit, a little bit, little of, bit of guilt, a Shall little bit. Of, I, mean, I miss having <laughs> a bit of more guilt, guilt. Please. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm I'm answerable to myself, I suppose, and it's it's no harm because I can talk myself out of any healthy experience very easily. Whereas it's like, well, if you do this, Anna, you've dropped a God, it's twelve years now. You know, I mean, that's that's a record. You know, yeah. so, um, but yeah, Whatever it works for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment here. It always has to have a twinge of misery attached misery, to it. Little bit of misery, <laughs> self-flagellation. It's pride. I call I it get pride. It. I get it. Pride. <laughs> oh god. No, but I do. I do. I do. It's that was a lovely discovery. But I have to say, um. It has been lovely seeing, um, actually when you talk about the boulders, I, I was in Galway in March, uh, I got to do a bit of work up there and it was like going to Galway during the 2k lockdown or 5k lockdown was like getting to go to Thailand or something like I, I was so excited. Yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. And the mad thing was the local council in Galway had Salt Hill, um, the Black Rock diving boards totally uh, barriered off with these oh. kind of cable tied, those kind of um, wire things, you know, that they use to keep people back for parades, you know, crowd, bar- crowd barriers kind of things. And everyone just walked around the other side. Oh, really? <laughs> just walked around. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going swimming there because uh, I was like, oh my God, I'm in Galway and I'm by the sea. I'm yeah. going to get to the sea. And it was <laughs> so funny. Like it was March. It was, you know, one of the coldest months really to go swimming. And um, oh, it is, yeah. It was. I've I've never like despite these barriers, I've there was more people there than you'd see on in July. Like wow, everyone was going there because they were. This was their mental health. Like was going swimming, and they were just. And one woman just walked through, and I I said to my friend, oh, I thought that thing was cable tied. She goes, Oh yeah, that woman just comes every day and cuts it. <laughs> oh my god. It's mad, isn't it? Now we're all at it. And it's funny, the old people around here, they never swam. And they think we're all mad. And like (laughs) to have all of this on your doorstep and never to swim, I couldn't get my head around it. And then somebody said to me like, you know, it was fear. They were so terrified of the water. Only bad things happened when you went on the water. Like, well, I mean, obviously... It gives you fish and all that and you can travel on it. But there was a hell of a lot of tragedy involved with it as well. And Hmm. they had this kind of idea that so if there was a problem at sea, right? So say you're out in a navog or a curragh and boat gets upturned and you're in the water and you can swim. What's that going to do for you? Only prolong the inevitable. And the idea was, so if you fight it, if you fight the sea when she wants you, she will come back and take someone else belonging to you instead. So the tradition was, when it's your time, it's your time kind of wow. thing. I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God, and you, and you think I've got guilt going on. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, that's that's amazing. And that, that's, a, that's just a really, it's very profound and, and very sad very sad but very profound I suppose as it's, well it's dark in the sense that 
so that was their kind of reasoning. When the CE wants you, it's your time. If you, you know, if you don't submit, she'll take someone else. But really, when you think about it, possibly what good was, you know, in the days pre flares and lifeboats and whatever, what good was floating around the Atlantic Ocean going to do for you anyway for an extended period of time? I don't know. This has gotten very dark. Sorry, everyone. That's very true. (laughs) Might be. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) My third thing. A life boy. (laughs) 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 But, uh, but yes, what, what is, what, what is your third thing? Oh, my third thing is one of Billy's pagan rave masks. Um, Because it's a, a kind of a festival type ritual ceremony thing that a big ever growing gang of us do several times a year where we put on crazy masks and play lots of different experimental music and gather and party and celebrate and just just I don't know just bathe in being alive and celebrate it and I just love the idea of ceremony and imagination and freedom that comes with it it's something again that I knew was important to me but we've gotten together a little bit since the loosening of restrictions and I was kind of scared that I wouldn't be able to hang out with gangs and stuff anymore um but even for the most socially awkward, I think once you put a mask on, there's a great freedom in that. Yeah. And you can just let it all hang out. <laughs> <laughs> and these are masks. Uh, so Billy's your husband and yeah. he makes these these masks for, the, uh, it's called Pagan Rave. It's, it's called it's, Pagan it's, Rave. So Bill is, Bill is an archaeologist and a folklorist and these masks and costumes are kind of semi-based on things like mumming outfits and ranboy outfits, but there would be other ones from all over Europe. And then his own imagination has gone into them as well. So there'd be elements of sci-fi, which we're both really into as well, and kind of steampunky and all sorts. So they're, they're, they're creations, they're works of art, and they're getting used more and more. People are kind of using them for, as you know, props for films and um, they get dragged out for various festivals and gigs and things. And then we have a really cool like Pagan Rave musical wing who um, I love playing with and we get to, you know, play experimental music and a chance for me to sing with electronics and stuff like that, that, you know, doesn't tend to really fit into my genre generally. So great just good yeah. times yeah and there there is that thing you, you mentioned earlier about the, the the nature of mask and how it just literally allows your inhibitions to just fall away yeah like here we're so used to it here because every St. Stephen's Day we've lawn Jolene which is Rand's Day um, and we used to go around from house to house in all these costumes and you'd sing or do a dance or recite a poem in exchange for money or a little drink or whatever and mm. then in Dingle they had taken it to the whole other level like the, every street has a huge um, Rand group or band and they all have their own colours and fifes and drums and the Costumes go from like the most traditional, which were like the straw boy costumes. And then, you know, you'd see like Donald Trump masks or whatever. So <laughs> it's it's rooted in the ancient, but it's been taken all the way to the contemporary. And it's like a mad musical kind of Mardi Gras thing where you're, you, 
people just really go bananas, but not in a not in a sinister way. Um, that's not allowed. That's uh, anyone that behaves like that on Rand's Day is not of the Ran or hasn't grown up w- with the drolling that are coming in to make trouble. It's a that's a whole different thing. But mm. it's 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 just about uh, I suppose letting go of your inhibitions, and so you you just there's there's just freedom and dancing in the streets you have to come down sometime I it's nice to be old. definitely definitely I mean um I have experienced I've been very lucky to have experienced some of the pagan rave stuff and it it is this wonderful thing there's just such a license in a costume and in a mask you know that sometimes we need <laughs> to get four or five pints into us before we get that kind of freedom in I ourselves. know yeah totally and also all of us that wear the costumes, there's this enormous feeling of camaraderie as well, even though you have no idea who you're talking to, but it's just another pagan raver. And then like you might meet them another day and they're like, which one were you? Oh, I was, you know, the deer with the antlers. And, the, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and like it has to be said, these masks, like, because uh, if, if you're not familiar with them, like there are actual parts of dead animals on them and everything like it, they're they're incredibly like they're if you're thinking masks like Halloween mask, I mean traditional something you'd buy in a shop. Like they're they're incredibly for um, the most part they're made from natural materials, um, and any animal bits you know would be humanely sourced. Billy's vegetarian, so. <laughs> <laughs> but like if there is roadkill at the side of the road, it's whipped, and I'm like, oh no, there's there's something. There was a whale. There was a dead whale that he brought home in the boot of the car and that was in the a garden dead, for oh dead stop whale. it oh uh, yeah it wasn't a big whale but it was big enough and just like oh he just took it too far you know what <laughs> you can't come into the house smelling like that you just can't so that was when he got the shed he's got a really big shed now <laughs> <laughs> saved our marriage and yeah. the carcass I'm shed <laughs> Yeah. Oh, do you know what's gas, actually, is the poor old DPD man nearly got a heart attack because there's another little shed, a wooden shed, with just like regular stuff in it. And I wasn't home one day and he was like, what will I do with the parcel? I said, I'll just leave it in the shed. And the poor man went to the wrong shed and opened the door and this stuffed grizzly bear that Bill was planning on using for something, just like the top bit of a stuffed kind of, oh no, it wasn't a bear, it was a wild boar. Fell out on top of the delivery man. <laughs> he rang me afterwards. He said he nearly had a heart attack. Because he thought he was actually being attacked by a white boy. So, <laughs> do not go into the shed. Shed of doom. <laughs> the poor DPD guys, they've, they've had a busy year. Like everyone's just I know, we're besties like. Well, not after that, but up to then. It was good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is something you'd really want to, to warn someone about. <laughs> Wrong shed. Wrong shed. Jeez. It's a lovely thing actually about costume, because obviously at the time of recording this, um, we're, we're in the autumn and like Halloween, obviously there's a time we're all familiar with, with, well, hopefully be able to have Halloween parties again. Yeah. Um, but that lovely thing, it's like you have two parties where, uh, you know, everyone's dressed up and then the costumes start to come off a bit later and it's like a whole bunch of new people have arrived. <laughs> or your Jean Madeleine, my sister-in-law, your friend, who has three costume changes during the night because she couldn't decide and each one more intricate than the next. Like, 
what? Has <laughs> <laughs> she done that on you? She's like... Costume yeah. changes in the middle of a party. I was one of three parties she went to and she had a different costume apparently for each one. So there you go. That's kind of almost honoring. Yeah, yeah, it's like I've one for you. I've one for like, I mean, I'm lucky if I, I'm not of my imagination is not in making costumes or, or masks or anything. For Nor mine. At all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm lucky. I'm so impressed with myself if I manage one costume in in a party in the year. I, I love costume parties, but I'm not I'm not very good at them. I always love the idea of them and then I started panic. Why? Why did I say I do this? <laughs> and I'm always there with like a black sack going, I know I made something happen with this when I was small. <laughs> but I don't do anything now. Billy just sorts me out. So it's grand. You, Lazy. You and if Billy won't, my mother-in-law will or Jean will or Pam will or one of the Midlands will. Like You've married into a family of, uh, <laughs> of costumers and costume makers. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a handy one. But uh, no, certainly I, I have to say that... Um, the 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 pagan rave uh, phenomenon that you and your your whole gang are part of it's it's such a um it's it's like it's very unique it, it's weirdly unique because I mean it's such a big kind of part of Irish culture that the, yeah. the pagan thing but yes there you seem to be you know, like it's, it sounds to... a bit culty and it's not a cult. It's definitely not a cult. Definitely not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> what it is as well is um, loads of different creatives. So you've got like, you've got the traddies. In terms of musicians, you've got the traddies and the rappers and the metalers and the funk players or whatever, all coming together, the jazzers. But you've also got sculptors and artists and choreographers and actors and you know, people who just, you know, have something amazing to give. Uh, everyone adds their little bit into this pot. And it just, it's mehel, you know, that word mehel in Irish, where like mm. people just work together and get together to make things happen. Because actually the party of Pagan Rave is only one element of it. There's such a build up. There's such a big build up, so much prep and then the takedown as well, you know. But everyone is amazing and pitches in and it's just been an incredible sense of community, which is so important and we've lost in so many other ways. So it's great. And there's no one star or anything like that, you know. It's all just that, that's that's the big thing that struck me because I remember the first time I went to a Pagan Rave event, it, it was a gig in Dolan's. Oh, and yeah. I, was, I was watching it and... At one point, you came out singing, but it took me a while. I was like, "That's Wern. I think is that Wern. I think I think it's Wern. I think I think it is." And I was asking, "Like, is that Wern?" Because you're wearing all this costume stuff. There were other people performing, and then afterwards, I realized, "Oh, I do know that person." But it was that wonderful. I suppose it's come. It's like almost like throwing the ball in the air. Like, look at the ball. Don't look at the person throwing it. You know, and totally. it was just, and it's always changing. And it's yeah. Just, oh my god, it's so exciting. Everyone has so much to give, and I just get such a buzz watching other performers as well. And sometimes, as a Shannon singer, it can be kind of solitary. Um, so it's lovely that sense of collaboration and excitement, and you know, experimentation. It's it's brilliant. And definitely not a cult. Definitely not a cult. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> you worship at the altar of crack. Oh my God, I do. <laughs> 
the Irish spelling, C-R-A-I-C. Oh, let, yeah. Let us be clear. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's, um, no, it's, it's, it is something hopefully that will be returning more and more, this like live gathering and live music and live, as you say, community, you know, yeah. because um, it, it was, I think we we're kind of in danger of losing it before yeah, we were. lockdown. Yeah, we and were. Yeah. And now it's been exacerbated. And like even the session that I grew up playing in has been monetized. And, you know, I was a part of that. I was playing sessions for, for money. But I, I would always prefer the spontaneous session um, where as many people can join as would like and where there are no microphones and there's no who's professional and who's not and you know that's how I learned I was nine when I started going to sessions with my dad and you know being told to shut up was a part of it like you know like that is an amazing education when you meet all different aged people so you're cross-generational you'd have people passing through town from different backgrounds from different countries I feel like nowadays sometimes with kids and uh, it's something I'm trying to be mindful of with my own. You know, they, they spend a lot of time doing activities with other kids who are the same age as them and possibly go to the same school as them or whatever. And so it's all quite, what's the word, homogenous, is that the word? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, obviously we need to be careful and keep the nutters away from the kids, obviously. But I do feel like I met a lot of very interesting, strange people during my childhood that, had a formative um, effect on me, you know. Mm. You need that. Yeah, the, the kind of intergenerational mix that, that comes yeah. from just gathering. Yeah, and in. watching adults interact. Mm-hmm. Watching that, sitting and watching it, which definitely people did long ago. Um, you learn so much about etiquette and about humour and about manners and about all sorts of things that possibly take a bit longer now and even longer now because we're all online as well so yes. all that nuance of human behaviour like it's not just about learning music you know it was socially hugely educational yeah yeah that's a, a, a very a very important point and I think I think a good one a good one to end on <laughs> um, absolutely fascinating and lovely and um yeah, a lovely, a lovely journey of things. Thank you so much, Wern. Oh, thank you for having me, Anne. So <laughs> nice to talk to you always. Oh, always. And and obviously, Wern, you are uh, you perform live, and you also have a radio show. And just how do people find how how do people find you? Yeah, on the line um, and in the real world. Oh, so gigs are opening up slowly. Um, I'm hoping to get back back out on the road with my trio, but I will be releasing an album after Christmas um, of a a big project I did um, just at the end of lockdown. I've been working on it for a year called Roisin Reimagined, which is 12 of those channel songs I'm so mad about, obsessive about, um, with the Irish Chamber Orchestra and arranged by six different Irish composer arrangers. And then the radio shows are on Brown Gaelach, which is seven to eight on Sundays on Radio Nagelskta. That's pure trad. And then mm-hmm. Mallard Pertlam is seven to nine on Saturdays. And that's like world music, contemporary music, whatever you're having yourself. But no Berla, no Berla allowed. 
No Berla. No Berla. <laughs> I, I had this memory. I was saying to a friend of mine recently, um, I, you know, it's like with, with COVID, like putting your mask on in a hurry when you pass someone. Reminds me of being in Irish college and, you know, uh, the, the moon tour someone passes and you're meant to be speaking Irish and starts going, sha, 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 sha. You know, <laughs> people This is alien to saying, me. I didn't go to Irish college, but I'm listening I'm, and learning. Of course you didn't because you spoke Irish, but this is what I, English speaking kids would do is to pretend they sounded like they were speaking Irish they'd say sha 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 <laughs> over and over again and to me when you go into you know when you realize you walk through someone you're not wearing your mask it's that and you kind of put it up near your face that to me is the sha 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 <laughs> pretending to comply <laughs> oh my god we used to think you were all so cool oh my god watching you with your fashion your city no. fashion walk into your Kayleys <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to Countro I went to Ventry there you my, go um, on my well I certainly uh, you weren't looking at me when it came to fashion <laughs> I guarantee you <laughs> I was not one of the cool kids <laughs> you were just like fascinating creatures to us you know <laughs> and hey uh, uh, a two-way street, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in, oh yeah, so people can find you online. Um, oh yeah, I suppose. Yeah, Morin.ie is the handiest. M U I R E A N N. I've the biggest. I've the biggest name in traditional music. I you, am the yeah. biggest name in traditional music, <laughs> apart from Josephine Nivelle. She has two extra letters. <laughs> but Morin.ie is the website, and then on all like social media. Except TikTok, because I don't know how to do it. I'm too old. God, no, Jesus! No. And you're at where in Nick is it? Where in Nick? M e y r e. What are we talking about here? Your <laughs> handle on on all the things. On the things, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Go to Mwerin.ie yeah. You'll you'll find Mwerin there I should have this in front of me I should know so I should I know. Fair, no, And I should know In fairness <laughs> But uh, no You'll be found uh, On all these things And uh, it has been An absolute joy Thank and you And I look forward To seeing you In the real world And thank you so much For joining me Thanks Anne You've been listening To Three Things That Matter With me Anne Blake A Limerick Post podcast Produced by Eric Fitzgerald theme tune is composed by myself and performed and recorded by my lovely brother David Blake. You can follow Limerick Post on Twitter at Limerick Post. If you enjoyed the podcast, please let others know and rate it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at AnneBlake78, on Instagram at AnneBlakePlay and the podcast on the hashtag 3ThingsTM.